Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Sunday, December the 4th of the year 2022. Can you guys believe we are in December already? My goodness. Well, I am your host. I am the founder and I am the teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. Your one and only Dr. Kamala D. Today, I will be sharing another excerpt from the epic series entitled Race, Religion, and Racism by Dr. Frederick Casey Price Sr. So I am not going to talk too much today. I am going to just move on with this episode. However, I do want to share with you guys that I will resume my series entitled A Faith That Surpasses All Understanding. And I want to take this time out to thank each and every one of you because apparently that episode and that small series short series is blessing a lot of you, but so is this series about black people in the Bible. So in, in any event to God be all the glory because it is God who adds to the church daily. So, um, I welcome all the new listeners, um, from, I, I receive my stats from Spotify and, uh, my podcast is being played in 17 countries. And it is blessing a lot of people. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. So I give all honor and glory to the Lord. We are reaching 8,000 listeners. I can remember when I only had 500. But to God be the glory. As long as I remain faithful, God will send the listeners so that they can continue to hear Bible truth. So with that said, saints, let's get this truth on the road. Now I'm teaching on the subject of race, religion, and racism. And it strikes different chords in different people. And after hearing this message today, you may be inspired to write me a letter. The ground rules from day one have been and are that if you write me, Frederick Casey Price, a letter, and expect me to read that letter, whether I choose to read it in private or to read it over the air simply as an object lesson to illustrate something that I may be teaching at the time or have taught. You must have your full name and return mailing address on the letter or I will not read your letter. Very simple, plain ground rules. If you want me to read your letter, you're writing me and you want me to read it, then you have to have your full name and your return mailing address on it. I will not read any letters that come in that do not have return addresses on them. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat> we are in the religion section of our threefold message. And last time, um, I ended up talking about, if you will remember, uh, Ephraim 
and Manasseh. Now, I believe that God gave me this unction to do this series this way because I believe that God, our Heavenly Father, wants all of His children to be informed about their origin and about who they are and about how He sees them. And so consequently, He has placed in His Word all of the necessary information for us to be able to trace our origin and our genealogy. If origin and genealogy were not important, then why did God put it in the Bible? If it wasn't, for instance, important to know the lineage that Jesus came from, then why did Matthew and Luke take the time to write down the genealogy about who was Jesus' ancestors. If it wasn't important, then why tell us? And if he put it in there, he must want us to know it. So if it's in there and we don't know it, then we're stupid. Plain, dumb, and ignorant to not know it because it's in there for us to know. So I believe that in it, if we had the church, when I say we not, if the church had done that from day one, we would have never had black slavery in America, and the church would have never been divided, probably Jesus would have already been back. And we'd be living in the future. Because the gospel would have been overspread all over the world. The thing that has hindered it spreading has been the ignorance on the part of the body of Christ about who they are and about who others are in the body of Christ. And so it stifled the Holy Spirit from being able to work through the body of Christ as he worked through Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. We are the body of Christ. And we ought to be, should be, representing Jesus instead of our own preconceived agendas. Now, we found out that Joseph married an Egyptian. He was from the Shemite line, and the Egyptians were from the Hamitic line. So there was a mixture ethnically, and apparently was all right with God. So we shouldn't have a problem with it. Joseph had two sons by this Egyptian woman who lived in the land of Ham or the land of Black. So obviously these children perhaps certainly would have had to have some of Ham in them. And Jacob who is the father of Israel, if you would, the 12 tribes came out of Jacob, he embraced these children. That's what we mentioned last time as we closed. And then we found in the book of Revelation, we won't look at it, but Revelation chapter 7, verse 6, we found out that Manasseh, one of the children of Joseph, is one of the tribes of Israel, recorded in the book of Revelation. Now, today, we want to look at Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And as I said last time, Jethro, and we'll point this out a little bit in just a moment, Jethro was a black man who originally would have come out of the Hamitic line. And if Moses, if Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, then that must have meant that Moses had married Jethro's daughter or son. 
No, that would have been Moses had married Jethro's daughter for Jethro to be Moses' father-in-law. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 18. Again, this is important because it helps to diffuse the ignorance and lies that have been perpetrated against people of color. And actually, people don't realize it, but really you are bringing an accusation against God. Now, that's the awesome part of it that people never even stop and think about. That you are actually bringing a negative accusation against God because God is the one who created us all. So if there is anything inferior about anybody that is a part of homo sapien man, then they had to get it from God. And if they got it from God, then that would mean, as I've said all through this series, that there is some inferiority in God. Because Jesus said it this way, and he got it from his father. He said the tree is known by its fruit. So whatever is in the sap of the tree is going to come out in the flowers on the limbs and ultimately the fruit. So whatever is in the fruit is a result of what's in the tree. So if God is the tree and we the men are the fruit of God, if there's any inferiority in anybody in mankind, then it had to come from the tree, God, so that would mean there has to be inferiority in God. That's awesome. I don't know if you're ready. I don't know if you're ready for that. I don't know if you're ready to accuse God of that. But see, this lie, we, we've swallowed this lie, and, and so it's hindered, it's hindered man, the church, from doing the job that it should have done. So a part of this series, and that's why God gave it to me this way, is to sort of clear the air. And of course, for honest people who want to know the truth, they'll receive it. For people that want the status quo to remain the status quo, then they won't receive it. They'll chafe at the bit about it. But people who really want to know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, they will rejoice at finding this out. That God is not a respected person, and that God did not make any of his creatures inferior. Neither did he make any of his creatures superior. Now, in Exodus chapter 18, we begin reading at verse 1. Exodus 18, beginning with verse 1. It says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness. Where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now, he had said to Moses... I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons 
with her. So we see then that this man, Jethro, was Moses' father-in-law. Now go to Numbers chapter 10. I wanted to establish that Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. Now remember, we read this earlier in the lesson that Moses had married an Egyptian, I mean an Ethiopian woman. And uh, um, Aaron and Miriam got on his case and God struck Miriam with leprosy as a result of coming against God's anointed. Now, in Numbers chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse 29. It says, now, now what we're getting ready to read now, what we're getting ready to read now is very interesting because... It's going to show you how God thinks about people, not about color. Verse 29, chapter 10. Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel. Now if you have a reference Bible, of course if you have the ever-increasing faith study Bible, right next to Reuel, you should have a number one. Okay? Now, if you go to the center reference for the 10th chapter and look at verse 29 and follow down the different references, you will notice the number one is by the word Jethro. Okay? So this Reuel was actually Jethro. Okay? Now, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Jethro, or Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. So now there, that validates the fact that Reuel was also Jethro because we just read about Jethro being the father-in-law. Okay? Now, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. So Moses said, please do not leave inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. (laughs) Verse 32, and it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Now, the Midianites were people of color. And Hobab was Jethro's son. And Moses, the Shemite, was telling this man, Hobab, come and go with us. You can be our eyes. In other words, you will be able to lead us through this area because you know this area and you'll be like eyes to us well let me ask a question how important are your eyes to your body huh 
You are at a serious disadvantage if you're blind. I'm not saying you can't exist, and I'm not saying that you can't survive, but you are at a serious disadvantage. Moses was saying to this black man, come and be our eyes. That's awesome. All right. The question is, because see, Moses asked Hobab to come with him. Hobab said, I'm going to my land and my relatives. So now the question would arise, did Hobab ultimately go with Moses and the children of Israel? Well, in order to find that out, let's go to Judges, chapter 1. Judges, chapter 1. Now, it's interesting, and this is why, this is why genealogies are important, and this is why it's important to, to, to study about these things, because back in those days, people would sometimes be known by several different names. We just saw that. The man's name was Hobab, but then he was also called Reuel. It was the same man. Or Reuel, rather, was, was Jethro's same man. And Hobab was uh, Jethro's son. Now we found out that it says that Jethro was a Midianite. Okay? But the Midianites were also called something else. We're going to find that out right now. Judges chapter 1, we want to find out, did Hobab go and become the eyes of Israel? This is the question we want answered. Now Judges chapter 1, look at the 16th verse. It says, now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law. So now the Midianites have become the Kenites. Well, it's really, it's really not any different than what we have today. We, we're, we're called, the, the world would call us Americans, but African-Americans or Hispanic Americans, but we, we're still called Americans, so Americans and black African Americans are still Americans. Hispanics are still American. There are Asians that are Americans. So Kenites and Midianites would be like African Americans. Alright, verse 16. Now the children of of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judea, or Judah, which lies in the south near Arag, Arad, and they went and dwelt among the people. So apparently then, Moses' father-in-law and his family didn't ultimately go back to their land. They went with the children of Israel. I would have to think and believe that Hobab also went with them. Now, the word Kenite literally means Midianite. It's the same people. The word Kenite means Midianites who were members of a Canaanite tribe. You know where Canaan came from. Canaan came from Ham. Okay? People 
of color. Now, let's go to the book of Zephaniah. Oh boy, if you say, what? <laughs> Zephyr, what? Zephaniah? Yeah. In fact, not only are we, are we going to go to Zephaniah, but we're going to find out that Zephaniah was a black man and wrote one of the books in the Bible. Now, they didn't tell us that. The white folks didn't know that. The black folks didn't know that. The Asian folk didn't know that. The Native American folk didn't know that. The Hispanics didn't know that. But Zephaniah was a black man and he's one of the 39 books of the Old Testament. He's one of the 66 books of the whole Bible. Now see how we've been lied to? See, we, we thought we didn't, we had made no contributions of any kind. Oh, I got some other stuff. When we get to the very end of the thing, I'm going to really knock you, they're going to knock your head off <laughs> in a positive way. We, it's, so, it's so pitiful, it is so tragic that this nation has squelched knowledge about black people. It, you're going to find out that many of the everyday things you use, every day, every week, every month, every year of your life, were invented by black people. You probably can't hardly think of anything just off the top of your head in reference to how we've been instructed in our schools about what any black man ever did. One or two names. Booker T. Washington. Very few. But there are literally hundreds of inventions and hundreds of things that we use all the time. Now here we are in the Bible. We're talking about God Almighty. We're talking about spiritual things. And right in the Bible, there is one of the books written by a black man. Now, it couldn't be too inferior if God included his writing in the Bible. Well, now, Brother Price, Brother Price. Now, you've got to show me that. All right. Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah the son of Cushai. Whoop! <laughs> the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. It's easy for me, you know, a black man, to try to get a little credibility 
by saying that so-and-so was a black man. But who's going to believe that? One black man talking about another black man. Who's going to believe that that's true? Well, uh, has anybody here ever heard of James Strong? James Strong was not a black man. James Strong was a white man. In fact, just about all, just about every Bible student, certainly all ministers of the gospel, everybody knows about James Strong and Strong's Concordance. We take Strong's Concordance as just as we, in fact, we believe Strong's Concordance more than we believe the Bible. <laughs> if, if Dr. Strong says it, it's so. Well, I'm going to give you the reference in just a moment. But Strong translates this word, Cushai, Cush. And Ethiopian. Now you tell me what color Ethiopians are. Black. Now, so you can check this out. Strong renders the word Cushai as Cush or Ethiopia. The name of a son of Ham. And of his territory. Also of an Israelite. It's also spelled sometimes C-H-U-S-H, Cush, or Cush, or Ethiopia. In Strong's Concordance, it's number 3, or 3568. 3568, so you can look it up. Zephaniah was from the lineage of Cush, and Cush was one of Ham's boys. Knock, knock. Anybody home? That's exciting to me. After having been told all my life that black folk have never made any positive contribution to anything, apparently God thought they did and included one of the books in the Bible from this Cushite, this black man. So if God thought enough of him to include him in the Bible... He must be all right. Now, go to Jeremiah chapter 38. Now, I, li I, like, to, I like to say this periodically. Because it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is kind of therapeutic. It's amazing when we start talking about black, then it's um, not important. You know, we, we, we don't need to deal with that, Brother Price. We just... But now if we're talking about white, then it's all right. And even some of you black folk, you have a little something rise up on the inside of you. You get a little bit, you get a little bit nervous. We're so conditioned, we've been so brainwashed. You get kind of scared when I start talking this way. Yeah, I hear the truth is over there. You hear the truth over there? Now, but we just, we might as well find out about it now. That way when we get to the kingdom, we won't be surprised. 
We're not going to read all of it, but for your own homework assignments, you need to read chapter 38 and chapter 39 in its entirety of the book of Jeremiah. But in the 38th chapter, beginning with Oh, Jeremiah 38, beginning with verse 7. Now listen to this. Now Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, so we know right here, if we don't read any further, that we're not talking about a Native American. Would you agree with that? All right, listen to this now. Now, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, not the outhouse, but the king's house. Okay, watch this now. Who was in the king's house heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin. Ebed-Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, Now remember that the Ethiopians are Cushites. Cush. Hamson. Black boy. And he had the ear of the king. How many of y'all get to talk to kings? Verse 8. I want to go slow because I want it to sink in. Ebed-Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil. My God, this black man telling the king about somebody else that had done evil. How dare him? My lord, how dare him? Go to the king and tell the king about some other folk that are doing evil. All right, listen, verse 9. My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded, say commanded, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. Now, I, remember I pointed this out before about God. I hope you, I hope you have enough spiritual sense to see this. Do you notice how God always, he didn't have to tell us he's an Ethiopian. Why didn't he just say Ebed-Melech? Why do you have to keep saying Ethiopian? Ethiopian, because he wanted you... Black folk to get your head screwed on right and realize you are in the equation and you're not an afterthought of God. And that the white folks ought to know that you are important, important to God, and we ought to be important to each other. Don't take it personally now. You know me. It's not personal. It's not personal. I'm not button. I swing for the fence. When you swing for the fence, you do it with all your might. Okay? <laughs> Verse 10. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, why does he keep, he told us already that he was an Ethiopian. Why does he keep telling us and reminding us that he's an Ethiopian? God has method in his sanity. I won't say madness. Verse 10. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian saying, Take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. 
Where did this black man get enough sense to know what to let down to the prophet so the prophet could get out of there? Oh, what's old clothes and old rags have to do with anything? 12. Then he bet Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. He was rescued by a black man who interceded to the king. And he was an Ethiopian. All right. Now, <clears throat> go to the 39th chapter of Jeremiah. Let's, uh, let's look at uh, the 39th chapter and beginning with verse 15. It says, Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Oh, pick up on this. Go and speak to Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian. There it is again. Why does he keep telling us he's an Ethiopian? See, now you get on my case and you say, I'm too black. I know what some of you said. I'm reading your mail. God's reading your mail. He's talking too much about black. Why don't you tell God that? Why don't you tell God? Why does he keep telling us about Ebed-Melech being a Cushite, a black man? Why didn't he just use his name, Ebed-Melech? That's all he had to say. But he keeps telling he's an Ethiopian. Why don't you accuse God of being too black? He's he letting us know that he's not a Jew. What? That's what that is. <laughs> All right, now let's go out here. Verse 15, therefore the print... Uh, oh, I missed the page blew over. Meanwhile, verse 15, meanwhile the word of the Lord had come to Jer Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison saying, go and speak. Now this is the Lord telling Jeremiah to go speak to this Cushite. This Ethiopian, verse 16, go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Look like the Lord was on this man's side. Because this man was on the Lord's side. Huh? Excuse me. So Ebed-Melech survived. Even though Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians. And that's exactly what happened historically. 
Now the reason for this, I want to emphasize this again, the reason for this the Lord stated was that Ebed-Melech trusted in the Lord. So the Ethiopians trusted in the Lord. This Cushite trusted in the Lord. So that shows us that God is no respecter of person. Now, here's what's, here's what's awesome about this. This man was given a prophetic word by God through the prophet Jeremiah to let him know that he would be spared when the city of Jerusalem was taken by the Babylonians. Now here is a black man, an Ethiopian, a Cushite. And the city is going to be ravaged by the Babylonians, but this man is going to be saved. Do you know why the city of Jerusalem was captured? overrun and taken by the Babylonians mm -hmm. because of the Shemites' disobedience to God. But this man found favor with God because he trusted in the Lord when the children of Israel were trusting in their idols. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 10. Oh, I mean, God is awesome. It, it's amazing how unobservant the church has been but you know when you're consumed with a superiority mentality or an inferiority mentality you don't always see clearly the truths now watch this I don't even know if you some of y'all are ready for this you ready alright watch this Matthew uh, Traditionally, Matthew is considered part of what? The New Testament. Okay? All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him. Now, who do you think he here refers to? Very good. All right. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the name of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alph Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite. Now, you've been reading that for years and never made the connection. Look at that. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, here's what's interesting and significant about this. If you don't think it's important, that it shouldn't be important to you, it was important to God. There are 12 disciples. Each name is given. 
Only one man do you know what his origin was, and that's the Canaanite. Tell me why. See how we missed it? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. How come he didn't say? Watch this now. How come he didn't say? Verse 2. Now the name of the twelve apostles of these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, the German. And Andrew, his brother. And Andrew, his brother. The Indian. From India. James, the son of Zebedee, the Japanese. And John, his brother, the Chinese. Philip and Bartholomew, the Australians. Matthew, the tax collector. And Tongan. James, the son of Alpheus from New Zealand. Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, the Finnish man. And Simon the Canaanite. I mean, I have read that for years. Never even saw it run right over it because of the preconditioning. It's significant. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian. Three times he tells us. Now, it looked like it would be sufficient to tell us he was Ethiopian one time. Why do you have to keep telling us? Because God knew we'd be so conditioned through brainwashing and of all the 12 apostles the only one that we have is ethnic origin is Simon the Canaanite ain't that interesting And you thought you knew it all. Can't tell me nothing. I don't need to hear this. Yes, you do. That's why God put it in there. Must have a significance. Why would you tell me that he was an Ethiopian? Because God knew down through history, because he knows all things. He knew that this racist garbage was going to come. He knew that this prejudice business was going to come. And so he wanted to put it in there. He put it in there as signposts along the way so we would all know, and we all missed it. Black folks missed it. The white folks missed it. Everybody missed it. But I told you before, Jacques is out of the box. All right. Let's go to Acts Chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. History becomes very important and interesting when you find out you in it. <laughs> it did to me, I'll tell you that. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. 
Acts 26, Acts 8 beginning with verse 26, sorry. Now an angel of the Lord, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia. We're still in the New Testament. I said we're still in the New Testament. Here's another Cushite. So he arose and went. And behold, a man. Now why didn't it just say, behold a man, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Well, she was an Ethiopian, so she's Cushite. Who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, what would he be worshiping? A Cushite. Well, he was a proselyte to Judaism. He had embraced Judaism as a Cushite. Now, watch this, verse 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Amen. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. How? How? Wait a minute. How? Oh, 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 oh. How, how did Philip, how did Philip happen to come in contact with this Cushite? The angel of the Lord. The Holy Spirit told him to go to him. I want you to get this. Didn't say avoid him because he was black. Don't segregate him because he's black. Go to him. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you, be, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he, Philip, baptized him, the Cushite. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that he so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. One happy brother. Amen. 
Praise God. Another soul saved. Well, Jesus had said it in Luke 19, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So the Ethiopian was lost. I mean, you talk about important. God arranged a special ministry for this Ethiopian, for this Cushite. He could have called him to Jerusalem, back to the temple or something. Met him out on the road all by himself. Gave him a special audience with Philip all by himself to preach Jesus to him. And tell me, you're not important. All right. Now, let's go to Mark 15. 15 chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark 15. And verse... Verse 16. Of the 15th chapter of Mark. Then the soldiers led him away into, into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple. Now you know who that's talking about. They clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. You know who that's talking about. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. The father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Simon, a Cyrenian or Simon of Cyrene. All right, go to Acts, the second chapter. Was Simon of Cyrene a black man? Well, we'll see. Acts chapter, what did I say? Yes, Acts chapter 2, verse 10. Well, let's go back to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem. This is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So that meant there were Jews plus Gentiles. And they were from Egypt and Cyrene. All right? Now, the question arises, well, let's go to Acts 13. Go to the 13th chapter. Let me read one more verse and then I'll make a comment. Aye, aye, aye. Acts 13. 
and one. Now, it says, now in the church that was, verse 1 of the 13th chapter of that, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Why did the Holy Spirit put Cyrene in there? Well, in the Dictionary of the Bible by William Smith, LLD, on page 132, under the heading Cyrene or Cyrene, it says, and I quote, the principal city of that part of northern Africa, which was anciently called Cyrenica, lying between Carthage and Egypt and corresponding with the modern Tripoli though on the African coast it was a Greek city and the Jews were settled there in large numbers end of quote now since it was in Africa between Egypt and Carthage which were black populated areas of the world at that time, I wonder was the people that we read about from Cyrene, the one that carried the cross of Jesus, the ones that were present on the day of Pentecost, and then this one here in the 13th chapter where it says Barnabas, didn't tell us who he was from where, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, it didn't tell us who he was or where he was from, who had been, simply had been brought up with, tetriarch, with the, the Tetrarch and Saul. I wonder, were they men of color? Is a possibility. But I wouldn't argue it. However, I do want to point your attention again to the 13th chapter, and I want to read three verses here. Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 1 again. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets... And teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they, they who? Prophets and teachers. Oh, I'm out of time. Well, saints, uh, this concludes that episode. As you heard, Dr. Price say he is out of time. I am so grateful that you guys are listening to this episode. I don't know if I shared this with you guys. I received my stats uh, for the year 2022 from Spotify, and it's looking good. It is looking good. Uh, we are constantly growing. This is our third season, and God, the Lord, is adding to this ministry every week. And I appreciate each and every one of you. And let me share information on how you can get this series in its entirety. You can go to faithdome.org, click on the store, and type in race, religion, and racism. The books will pop up. The CDs will pop up. 
and the DVDs. You don't have to buy it in one bulk. You can buy uh, part of the uh, series and then at a later date, you can purchase uh, additional information. I, um, on the other hand, purchased the entire series. You know, I'm um, a teacher and uh, a minister in the body of Christ. So when I buy, I, I buy t for uh, studying purposes, for information purposes. And um, it has blessed me tremendously. I know a lot of things that I didn't know before, and it gave me the opportunity to conduct the research because we know in part, look, and we share in part. So as God continues to give me revelation of scripture, I will continue to share it with you because it makes no sense for me to keep all of that information to myself. So saints next week, uh, next Saturday, I will, um, share part three of my series of faith that surpasses all understanding. So with that said, I hope uh, this week finds you and your family well. I hope you are blessed. I hope you are healed. I hope you are delivered. And most of all, I hope you are loved. Hallelujah. Peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.